0: As High Point Church enters a time of transition and a new season, I felt impressed of the Holy Spirit to leave with you some things that just may be of value as I serve out my remaining weeks as your pastor. So I'm going to do a little bit different this morning, and so you'll follow along, and uh, I invite your attention to Job chapter 10 and verse 8. Exciting things in the future for High Point Church, don't get all depressed and Get the blahs or anything like that. I'm going to enter a new season. Amen. Amen. I've been doing this a long time. I just figured a while ago, 44 years. I took my first pastor in 1974 at the ripe young age of 24 years old and not stopped since. So, God is good all the time. Job chapter 10 verse 8 tells us, Your hands have made me. And fashion me. Then Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21, the Lord speaking through the prophet, This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Everyone said, Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, we thank you again for this day as we come to the time the ministry of your word. Pray that you will just bless this vessel. Help me to speak as your mouthpiece and your instrument today. Lord, that we might leave here today challenged, uplifted, and encouraged by your word. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You and I were created to serve God. God has formed every creature on this earth with a special area of expertise. Did you know that? Every creature. For example, some, a- some animals run, some hop, some swim, some burrow, and some fly. They all have a purpose. Each and every one of these creatures has a particular role to fulfill based on the way they were shaped and created by Almighty God. The same is true with us humans. Each and every one of us was uniquely designed or created, if you will, to do certain things. And you can say amen. Before architects design any new building, they first ask, what will be its purpose? How will it be used? You see, the intended function always determines the form and the size of the building. And before God created you and I, He decided what role He wanted us to fulfill in life and here on this earth. God planned exactly how He wanted us to serve Him. And then He shaped us for those tasks. You are the way you are for a specific ministry. Please understand, this does not negate the fact that we are an ongoing work in progress through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that will be until the day we die. We'll be an ongoing work. While we are being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, we are being created and designed to fulfill specific ministries. In other words, we are being gifted by Jesus Christ in certain areas for specific ministries. In fact, Paul made this declaration regarding Christ's work in each of us, and he said this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, which is so applicable, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I think it's interesting to note, our English word poem comes from the Greek word translated workmanship. Yeah. We are God's handcrafted work of art. You're not an assembly line product. Nor are you mass-produced without any thought. We are a hands-on, custom-designed, one-of-a-kind, original masterpiece. Amen. In fact, my lovely wife occasionally reminds me by saying, I was born an original and I refuse to die a copy. God deliberately formed and shaped us to serve Him in a way that makes our ministry unique. Amen. God has carefully mixed the DNA cocktail, if you will, that created you. You are not an accident. Even David, the great psalmist, praised God for this incredible personal attention to detail. I want you to listen to how David worded it in the 139th Psalm, verses 13 and 14. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made... Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Amen. As Ethel Waters once said, and I quote, God doesn't make junk. End quote. God doesn't make junk. Not only did God shape you before your birth, He planned every day of your life to support His shaping process The psalmist continues with this thought in verse 15 and 16. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Don't miss that phrase. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they, are, they are, all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. I'm going to give you a minute to look at that verse. Amen. And in your book there were all, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. This means that nothing that happens in your life is insignificant. God uses all of it. God uses all of it to mold you for your ministry to others and shape you for your service to Him. God never, and I mean never, wastes anything. He would not give you abilities, interests, talents, gifts personality and life experiences unless He intended to use them for His glory. By identifying and understanding these factors, we can discover God's will for our life. You would be surprised the number of proclaiming born-again people that really have never yet discovered God's will for their life. They've just been meandering through life's journey with really out any direction. As I've already pointed out, the Bible says we are wonderfully made, we're wonderfully complex. God does not make junk. You as an individual are a combination of many different factors. To help us remember five of these factors, we're going to use a simple acrostic. An acrostic being a series of written lines or verses in which the first, last, or other particular letters form a word or phrase. The acrostic that we are going to use in this occasion is shape, which most of us are out of shape. S H A P E. In today's sermon, I want to look at five factors that are and following that we're going to explain how to discover or use our shape that God has designed us for. Whenever God gives us an assignment or He gives us a calling, He always equips us with what we need to accomplish that calling. Amen. This combination of capabilities we will call your shape. First, on, with today for today we're going to focus on we're going to focus in on spiritual gifts and heart. There's five of them: spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. But for today. Because of the constraints of time, we're going to focus on spiritual gifts and heart. As we've already discussed previously, God gives every believer spiritual gifts to be used in ministry. As you well know, these are special God-empowered abilities for serving Him that are giving only to born-again believers. In fact, Paul made it abundantly clear, without the Spirit we won't have those gifts. Here's what Paul said about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. He said, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So we cannot earn our spiritual gifts, nor do we deserve them, and that's why they are called gifts. If you will, they are expressions of God's grace to you and I. I invite your attention to the Word of God where Paul declares in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Neither do we get to choose which gifts we like to have and which ones we don't like to have. God determines that. We do not. I know there's folks that try, but we still don't. Paul explained it this way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11, very familiar, but one and of the same Spirit works all of these, distributing to each one individually as He wills. You see, God loves variety, and He wants you to be special. Look at, just turn and look at somebody around you close, first person your eyes touch and tell them, I'm special. You are. I don't say that to be facetious. He wants you to be special in that no single gift is given to everyone. As well, no single individual receives all of the gifts. If each individual had all the gifts, well, we wouldn't need anyone else, right? But the last time I checked, we needed one another. and that would defeat God's purpose. And that is to teach us to love and depend on each other because we are a body. We're a, we're we're a, we're we're work as a body. It's important to note whatever spiritual gift or gifts you were given, they are not for your own benefit, but they are for the benefit of others just as others were given gifts for our for your benefit. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. "But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one" For what? For the profit of all. So that all will benefit from the gifts that you have been given or the gift that you have been given. You see, God carefully planned it this way so we would need each other. When we use our gifts together, as a body, we all benefit. Let me use this analogy. Maybe this will help. If others among us don't use their gifts, you get cheated. And if you don't use your gifts, then others get cheated. This is one of the reasons why Paul instructed individuals in the church to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. So my question to you today would be, have you taken the time to discover your spiritual gifts and the specialty that God has designed you for? The reason I ask that question is this, an unopened gift is worthless. My wife and I had bought our grandchildren and great-grandchildren that live in North Carolina Christmas gifts this past year. And because the kids couldn't get home, they sat in our living room, all stacked up, nice and wrapped up, nice and pretty, until I went to North Carolina a couple weeks ago. All the time those gifts sat there from December till now, they were virtually worthless until those grandbabies got a hold of them. When the grandbabies opened the gifts before the tires ever got cool on my truck, my granddaughter was sending me pictures of them babies playing with those toys and the gifts that we'd gotten them. So if you keep your gift all wrapped up, shame on you. Whether we forget these basic truths about gifts, it always causes trouble in the church. Two very common problems are gift envy and gift pro- projection. The first of these two occur when we compare our gifts with others, and then we feel dissatisfied with what God gave us, and we become resentful or jealous of how God uses others. The second problem happens when we expect everyone else to have our gifts. Do what we're called to do and feel as passionate about it as we do. Here's what the Word of God says about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 through 6. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. I must admit, oftentimes spiritual gifts are overemphasized to the neglect of other factors that God uses to shape us for his service. Our gifts reveal one key to discovering God's will for our ministry. But let us not forget our spiritual gifts are not the total picture God has shaped us for, shaped us in four other ways as well. Hang on a minute, I'm checking to see if my battery's going dead. No. Let's think about listening to your heart. The Bible uses the term heart to describe the bundle of desires, hopes, interests, ambitions, dreams, and affections that we have. It's not talking, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about this organ in the middle of our chest that supplies blood flow to our body. It's talking about our desires, our hopes, our soul, who we are, what we are. Our heart represents the source of all of our motivations, what we love to do and what we care about most. We today still use the word in this fashion when we say things like, I love you with all my heart. The wise man Solomon made this observation in Proverbs 27 and 19, As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Your heart reveals the real you, what you truly are, not what others think you are or what circumstances force you to be. Your heart determines why you say the things you do, why you feel the way you do, and why you act the way you do. You can say amen. I know we don't like to face that sometimes, but it's the truth nonetheless. From a physical perspective, each of us has a unique heartbeat. Just as we each have a unique thumbprints or eye prints or voice prints, our hearts beat in slightly different patterns. It's amazing to me that out of all of the billions of people who have ever lived, no one has had a heartbeat exactly like yours. In much the same fashion, God has given each of us a unique emotional heartbeat that races when we think about the subjects, activities, or circumstances that interest us. We instinctively care about some things and not about others, right? Perhaps these are some clues to where you should be serving. I don't know, something to think about. Another word for heart is also passion. There are certain subjects you feel passionate about and others you couldn't care less about, right? I could probably name some subjects you shrug your shoulders no, I don't want to talk about that. Don't interest me, then I might hit on something that really interests you and whoo! You perk right up. Some capture your some experiences turn you on and capture your attention while others turn you off and bore you to tears. These reveal the nature of your heart or where your passion lies. When you were growing up, you may have discovered that you were intensely interested in some subjects that no one else in your family cared about. So where do those interests come from? Well, perhaps they come from God. Perhaps God had a purpose in giving you these inborn interests. As we we discuss this today, remember this. Throughout your entire life, you have been in the process of being shaped by the hand of God to bring you to this very moment in time. I want to stress that again. Throughout your entire life, you have been in the process of being shaped by the hand of God to bring you to this very moment in time. Your emotional heartbeat is the second key to understanding your shape for service. Don't ignore your interests. Consider how they might be used for God's glory. There is a reason that you love to do these things. Let me just inject an illustration here for just a moment, and I'll please take this in the spirit in which I intend it. I'm an avid lover of golf. I'm not good at it, but I love it. And over the years, I'm the only one in my family that has ever played golf and loves to play golf of my siblings. My dad thinks, and all of his wisdom thinks, it's, 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 it's a waste of time and foolishness. God love him. But the number of men and people that I have influenced and had the, po- po- had the privilege of bringing to Jesus Christ through my interest in golf would astound you. I can name you about six or eight men right now that are sitting in pews and serving God and in church today. Because of the times I went to go and play golf. I didn't preach to them. I-, I didn't beat them to death with the Bible. just befriended them, played golf with them. Enjoy the same thing we had a passion for. And the first thing you know, hey, I'm going to come to church, preacher. You come to church and sure enough, wasn't long. And I just use that illustration point out, don't ignore some of the interests and passions that God may have placed in your heart because there may be some people you need to influence through that interest. I know back in the day there were preachers that preached me into hell because I played golf, but God love them. <laughs> See, your emotional heartbeat is the second key to understanding your shape for service. Don't ignore your interests. Consider how they might be used for God's glory. There's a reason that you love to do those things. Repeatedly, the Bible says to serve the Lord with all of your heart. God wants us to serve Him passionately, not dutifully. He wants us to serve Him passionately, not dutifully. People rarely excel at tasks they don't enjoy doing or feel passionately about. God wants you to use your natural interests to serve Him and others. You have walked the road you have walked. You have journeyed the journey you have come for God's glory and for His purpose. Somewhere, somehow, some way, you can and will affect and influence those who you interact with. God wants you to use your natural interest to serve Him and others. Listening for inner promptings can point to the ministry God intends for you to have. The question is then, how do we know we are serving God from our heart? The first telltale sign is enthusiasm. Dutiful service rarely produces enthusiasm, but passionate service does. When we are doing what we are love to do, no one has to motivate us or challenge us to check up on us. We will do what we're doing for the sheer enjoyment. I have always loved to preach and I've always had a passion to teach. I made it a point in my studies and in my learning to watch, to listen to everyone I could, good, bad, or indifferent, and take the things that I learned that was good and apply them to ministry. I've listened to preachers that just had me up on the edge of my seat and spellbound. And I've listened to others that I wish they'd sit down and let me get up. I don't say, I don't say that to be arrogant. I just, and I've listened to a few of those preachers over the years that tell me, you know, they don't, they don't use notes. They just get up and open their mouth and whatever God gives them. That scares me. But the passion and the heartbeat was there, and it must be with every area of ministry and with every gift that God has instilled within us. We don't need rewards or applause or payment because we love serving in this way. The opposite is also true. When we don't have a heart for what we're doing, we're easily discouraged. The second characteristic of serving God from the heart is effectiveness. Whenever we do what God has wired us to to love to do, we get good at what we're doing. Passion drives perfection. Did you know that? Passion drives... If we don't care about a task, it is unlikely that we will, we will excel in it. Amen? Amen? I don't like dust in the house. And I'm not good at it. You come to my house, you know that. When my wife gets home, she'll remind me, you know you did good, everything else, but you did not do any dusting while I was gone. You're right, honey, I didn't. (laughs) I don't care about that task. And I'm not going to excel at it. In contrast, the highest achievers in any field are those who do it because of passion, not due to your profit. We have no doubt all heard people say, I look... I took a job I hate in order to make a lot of money so someday I can quit and do what I love to do. And that's a big mistake. Don't waste your life in a job that doesn't express your heart. Remember, the greatest things in life are not things. Meaning is far more important than money. As I close, I remind you of this. The richest man in all the world once said... As recorded in Proverbs chapter 15 of verse 16, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. (laughs) Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. So don't settle for just achieving the good life because the good life is not good enough. Ultimately, it doesn't satisfy only what we do for Christ Will satisfy. In the past, since December of 2014, I have buried five, four family members, and not a one of them took anything with them. But what we do for Christ is all that will go with us. We can have a lot to live on and still have nothing to live for. Aim instead for a better life, serving God in a way that expresses your heart, expresses your passion. Figure out what you love to do, what God gave you you a heart to do, and then do it for His glory. Do it for His glory. Amen. Brother David, would you come?